back to the Clemson Podcast. We are into August, fall camp has begun, Clemson are still national champions, and life is good. This is your host Nick, joined today by Cody and Ben. We are here to break down Clemson's offense, uh, looking at who's back from last year's team, as well as who's new and will likely make an impact on the football team this season. Guys, before we get started, I wanted to touch on a topic that we were, uh, in, our, in the last time we got together, Looking forward to looking forward to having some good news coming out of, and that is the all-in cookout it happened a couple weekends back in Clemson. From things I'm reading, this, this seems to have been maybe less of a of a success or a slam dunk than than, than years past. Are you guys hearing the same? Well, it kind of sounds like it was the all-out cookout. Yeah, no one made it. Um, well, a few made it, but the guys that we really wanted to come uh, for like all these random reasons weren't able to. You had. Uh, Jamari Sawyer, who had a car trouble, uh, Anthony Cook out of Houston, had a death in the family, and uh, just some random other things. I think J- Jackson Carmen from Ohio, um, you know, big surprise, Ohio State's probably manage- manages to to pull them away. But I, I think the biggest theme, we were going for the home run on offensive line on the offensive line this year, and, and credit to the staff for saying, hey, we're not going to you know take a three star early in the process because we just won a national championship. And we know what it takes on the offensive line to, you know, to, to have that standard. But there's also the element of swinging and missing. And right now, we, that's a lot of lost time where, you, you know, you got these kind of mid-tier, you know, four-star offensive linemen that we haven't put a lot of attention on. And because, again, the five-star, high four-star, we're missing. And, and that's, that's potentially creates a hole in our roster. Well, and speaking of the offensive line, Trey Hill, another guy, a guard, a four-star guard, him, he was said to have the date wrong. So... I mean, part of it is you hear all these excuses, and it's like it could just be all fluke situations. These things happen, bad timing. On the other side of that, you are you did see Clemson uh, start to offer a lot of kids that are committed to other schools. So you wonder if there is a little isn't a little bit of panic going on as we start to cast a wider net. As it seems we may be missing on these some of these top targets, which is rather interesting, seeing as how we just came off a national championship and two national championship game appearances in a row. Yeah, I think you start to see that these high-profile offensive linemen, and the same with defensive linemen, which we've had some success in securing over the last few years, they are not like uh, your your top 100 skill players. These are like a dime, uh, or I'm sorry, these are like very precious commodities, and you, and you got the big schools going in for it. Um, man, they're, they're going to put a lot into making sure guys don't go to an all-in cookout. So I can't speak individually to what happened for each player, but I will say that Man, Georgia's trying really hard. Ohio State's trying really hard to make sure guys like Sawyer and and Carmen don't make it to the all-in cookout. And I, I firmly believe that. I think there's guys in all in, in their corner all around them that are doing everything they can. Is are you, you willing to go out on a limb and say, sort of through a conspiracy theory that there's sugar in gas tanks? I think so. Yeah. If there's a, if there's cars cars breaking down. Yeah. There there could be some stuff going on. 
Well, I think when it comes to like deaths in the family and stuff like that, I tend to not think that Ohio State, Florida State, and Alabama are doing things like that. Um, <laughs> we weren't, I wasn't going, I wasn't going so, that far. And, and not to make fun of that, you know, that's an unfortunate situation. But again, it's a lot of these little things add up. And yeah, maybe it can seem kind of suspicious. We know that the college football recruiting uh, landscape is not very clean and fair all the time. We've heard about how other teams conduct their business. Um, we like to think that Clemson conducts their business very well and clean. We can't know that for sure. Well, we know, we yeah. don't think happen with every team. That's just the nature of the beast. But, I mean, let's see how these things play out. I think a lot of it will go into a lot of these guys. I'm not sure when, when all of them plan on uh, declaring, committing to a school. But I think a lot of it will also have to do with how Clemson starts off this season and if it is successful. I think just that momentum, the talk about Clemson getting back into it again for a third season in a row, that'll go a long way. It's far from over, uh, this recruiting cycle. We'll see what happens. We still have uh, you know, the two of the top three players in the nation, uh, maybe one of the best defensive ends we've seen in a long time, and definitely one of the best quarterback recruits we've seen in a long time. So don't forget that. Uh, maybe one thing you said, I think what you said is reasonable, Ben, you know, things just happen. You know, we'll see how go, things go. Uh, recruits are going to wait out the process, especially a lot of these, you know, high level five star players. Um, one element, though, that is very real uh, on the offensive line, particularly, which is a huge area of need, uh, is negative recruiting. We've heard about a lot of coaches, uh, SEC schools saying, you know, Clemson doesn't produce NFL offensive linemen. And that's important. And, and it, you know, we, we waved the wide receiver you, defensive line you a little bit. Um, we put guys in the league. And if, if you're going to, you know, you can't have it both ways because we have not put offensive linemen in the league. Uh, and there's a reason for that. It's not necessarily player development. It's because when you recruit a, a three-star from a few years ago, a lot of times their their ceiling just isn't that of a of but, an NFL but look, player. But look at what Robbie Caldwell has been able to do with these guys and turn these three-star commitments into national champions. Um, and I mean, the concern is there, you're right, but we haven't put a lot of offensive linemen in the league just yet. You got Hyatt, you got Pollard, you got John Simpson. These guys are going to be coming through and they're going to start making a name for themselves. Listen, Clemson did not start recruiting, uh, getting high recruits on the offensive line until very recently. The offensive line was kind of like the last thing on the team that we really needed to show up, uh, shore up. Now, granted, none of the five offensive linemen that Clemson, uh, had focus on his priority targets and made it to the all-in cookout. Is that concerning? Absolutely. But we've done some good recruiting in the past few years. We'll see what turns up this year. Um, and, and going forward, again, when you get guys like Hyatt uh, and Pollard and John Simpson to start going into the league and having success. Well, and you're thinking through the lens of the co- like the counter that the Clemson coach will tell a recruit, look at who we have in the pipeline. It's taken a while for us to, to get this offensive line talent and look what we're doing with it. Yeah, that that's what they're saying, but you have to keep in mind, a player is not looking at our depth chart and looking at you know the the profile of Sean Paul or Tremaine Ancrum. They're looking at the league and they're saying, who do you have in the league? You know, if I'm a wide receiver, I see New Hopkins, I see Sammy Watkins, Martavis Bryant, so on and so forth. Can't say that with the offensive line, and that that means something, regardless if it's fair or not. I don't, and I don't necessarily think it is fair yet, but. That's just uh, nature of the beast. Well, the coaching staff has been able to weather the storm uh, so far and, and come out on top, at least last year. So let's 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 see where it goes from here. Again, the recruiting cycle is it's not over yet. If we're able to pluck even one of these highly touted offensive linemen, I'd say that's a that's a success. I think the other thing to keep in mind is which programs have a coach on the hot seat, and are their commits really all that solid? If say Brian Kelly is out at Notre Dame or Elsewhere, you know, in the southeast, um, coaches that might be, you know, fighting for their jobs this year. If that goes south, are they, are any of those recruits going to come back on the market? And where's Clemson position for that? Well, I can tell you right now that um, 
uh, Alabama. Nick Saban's not going anywhere, and Urban Meyer's not going to go anywhere. I think one thing you can look to is uh, possibly LSU, Ed Orgeron, see how he does this year. Um, I, I don't give him a long leash um, if I'm LSU or the fan base, so there's possibility there, and you know LSU brings in big guys. Is Kirby smart on the hot seat yet? No, that'll be that'll be next year. Unfortunately, yeah, I think think it'll take another year. <laughs> I, in, in, in all seriousness, I think he has one year, um, and if he if he has a similar year last year, I think Georgia fans are going to be they're going to be waiting. They they have very high, maybe some would say unrealistic expectations there in Athens. So yeah, I mean, uh, I'd, I'd put a lot of coaches in this bucket of maybe this this specific year if things go completely terribly. I'd put. Gus Malzahn in that. I'd put Jim McElwain at Florida. Um, you know, McElwain's won two SEC East titles in a row. That's not really saying a lot when you look at the competition, but all these coaches might be, yeah, in Tennessee as well. Like Butch, Butch Jones could well be out after this year. Uh, but I think maybe the 2018 season is the one where you'll see a lot of these guys fighting for their jobs. But right. if that, if those sort of, you know, if the, the tea leaves are moving in the direction of turmoil there, what does their recruiting class this coming year look like if there's if there are questions of the long-term stability? Right. And I, I just think it, with Georgia being our probably our top competitor, uh, what seems to be year in and year out, um, and credit to Kirby Smart, he's recruiting his tail off. And uh, they have momentum. So I'm, I'm rooting against them heavily this year. Got to turn it into results on the field, though. Great. Well, um, let's move on to the 2017 Clemson team. So fall camp has broken. Uh, we were starting to get reports um, really coming out of practice about certain position battles happening. With this show here today, we're going to focus on the offense, but I just wanted to open it up and uh, maybe, Ben, flip it to you. Anything you're reading that is maybe a, a surprise or not really hitting the expectations you had in a good way? Um, well, first, I just want to talk to the general excitement that I have. You know, I think kind of all throughout the entire offseason, coming off a national championship win, win like that, you kind of ask yourself, and Deshaun Watson leaving, Mike Williams, Artavis Scott, Wayne Gallman leaving, Ben Bulware leaving. Uh, you start to try to reach for how, like, how am I going to find the excitement to go through that same thing again this year when we kind of hit the, the pinnacle, uh, the, the peak of everything as a fan base and obviously as the team and the coaching staff and all that goes, but just the fan base uh, of what we've been waiting so long for. Um, and my excitement was a bit tempered in the off season, but I'll tell you what, now that fall camp has broken and we're getting all the stories and practice updates, um, of all the, the red shirt freshmen, uh, and how they're developing a lot of guys that we didn't see play last year, but were highly recruited coming into last year. And then all the, the freshmen there on campus, not just the ones that came into the spring, but specifically, you know, guys like T Higgins, Amari Rogers, uh, guys that are finally setting foot on campus and getting into practice, started hearing about them. Like my excitement is through the roof now. This is a completely different team with a, a completely different identity. It seems like it's going to be this year, just because you're turning out over so many leaders on, on really both sides of the ball. Obviously, on the defense, you got Christian Wilkins uh, coming back, and you've got some guys on the offense. But it really feels like. Uh, it's a different team. You're going to have different leaders emerge, different guys take ownership. And so for me, it's just super exciting to start to get to know these players, how to pronounce their names, some of the new guys, um, their numbers. A big thing for me when I'm watching a game is I can pick out a guy by their number. And in the beginning of every season, it's kind of hard with some of these new guys or guys who haven't played a lot. So I start to get those things down, and that's just one of the things that's really exciting for me right now. Um, and it's only going to build as we start to hear more coming out of fall, uh, fall practice. Yeah, and you can if you read the you know articles on TigerNet, 
Tiger Illustrated, you know, you, you're, they're definitely painting a really pretty picture of, and I think part of that is they're excited as well, but also they want to make you excited. Um, coaches are telling a nice story at this time of year because they want to make sure everyone's on board and, and focused up until uh, enrollment begins or uh, school starts. Um, but I'll say, like, I think initially some of like the, from the articles I've read, I think this is the best looking in terms of get off the bus roster that Clemson's maybe had, uh, you know, in this whole Dabo run, um, because I think it's the culmination of a lot of really good recruiting you mean from a football standpoint, right? Yes, not yeah, not from a well, and yeah, even yeah, physique standpoint. Cody's our physique guy here. Um, I think that was fun. Tully was digging at you there. Um, so, but even the yes, co- physiques, <laughs> football and football physiques do matter. Yes, they look good coming with the bus. Have you seen Hunter Renfro? Trey Lamar's um, two fifty and like five percent body fat. Um, I love it. But speaking to the quarterbacks, I mean, even those those three guys are unproven. They're going to look good coming off the bus between Bryant Cooper and Hunter Johnson. Like they can all be playing anywhere in the country this year. So. I think when you speak to that point, there's a ton of talent on this team, and it'll be interesting to see how it develops. Yeah, uh, you, you have a ton of speed, guys that are freaks. Um, it's just, yeah, they're not. A lot of them are young, uh, inexperienced, and uh, but that, that, that leaves room for optimism, which is great. Well, yeah. and what I find great as Clemson has started to build this success is we're not relying necessarily on veterans. We're still getting a lot of young guys in there. Like there's a lot of true freshmen coming in this year that are in C playing time on the field. And who knows, halfway through the season, you could see a starter out there. Any thoughts in terms of like maybe the number one thing you think we will learn during fall camp that maybe is still an unknown and a question mark? Well, I think uh, f- for me, I think uh, a couple of guys that are probably going to be coming under the radar that nobody's talking about. Um, I'll start on the defensive side of the ball, Xavier Kelly. I think you're going to see a big emergence from him, uh, a guy that not a lot of people have talked about. He came in last year as a highly touted four-star recruit, got, a, got in on him late in the game. He had a moped accident, and he was unfortunately had to miss last season. I thought he was going to get some playing time last year. But with Jurgen going down um, in, with a car wreck uh, earlier in the spring, I think Xavier Kelly is going to really come on. I'm interested to see Shaq Smith. He's a beast of a man. Uh, I'm interested to see if he's able to contribute this year. My gut tells me he still might take another year, but that's a big five-star linebacker prospect that I think you're really going to see um, maybe not sooner than later, but eventually he's going to be a household name and he's going to be a dominant force at Clemson. Um, Anything else in camp like that will maybe by, by the first snap of Kent State, we'll, we'll figure something out? Yeah, I'm really interested in these wide receivers, man. See there, where the depth there, chart there plays out. There is so much talent, and then you got a guy like T. Higgins and Amari Rodgers coming in. I don't see how you're going to keep them off the field. Fortunately for these wide receivers, Clemson does tend to play a lot. I mean, there's consistently six, uh, rotating six in and out every game, if not more. So that, that's something to, to see there. Um, but then also, uh, last thing, I guess, for me, Jordan Williams to, to defensive tackle. Um, you know, technically – uh, we did not bring in a defensive tackle. We brought in two defensive ends and Jordan Williams and Justin Foster in this class class. Well, Jordan Williams is turning out to be that defensive tackle that we missed out on. Yeah, I'm very surprised by that. Uh, he's, he's up to 280, which that is, he's getting in defensive tackle territory and particularly that, at that three technique. Uh, I think he's, yeah, he's kind of ready-made in terms of his body. I'm, I'm surprised he's not going to play in, but maybe you, you uh, have him in kind of that Christian Wilkins uh, allow him to maybe play on the outside, but well, I think um, that's what they're saying that uh, on passing downs, uh, maybe putting him on the outside 
and then on on running downs, moving uh, into uh, defensive tackle. Maybe hey, heck, maybe we go to a three four with some of these athletic linebackers and uh, DBs that are coming in. Um, I, we're we're going to focus a lot on the offense uh, today, but I do want to make one note from from defense, and that is Christian Wilkins. We'll we'll say David Hood came out on Tiger Net, predicted his his MVPs for the year had Dexter Lawrence as the MVP over Christian Wilkins on, on defense, which is kind of kind of surprising. And I've seen like ESPN have both ranked in the top 10 of uh, of defensive players. So I'm, I'm interested to see which one. I, I think they offer different things in terms of skill set, but just that you have two of the top 10 defensive players, maybe top five defensive players in the nation. Well, and, uh, that's, and that's saying a lot. They're playing beside one another. Well, and to be fair, I, I can just because of uh, the disruption that Big Dex can cause just from his his size. He's a sophomore year. He's got one year under his belt. Um, I can totally, I can definitely see that being the case. He's going to uh, wreak a lot of havoc this year. I give Christian Wilkins though the more team MVP because he's not only going to play defense, he's going to catch balls on offense. He's going to score some touchdowns. He might play some special teams. <laughs> Is he going to play tight end? Uh, he might punt. I'm just throwing that out there. I mean, either way, he's he's one of the most vocal guys on that team. You know, he's kind of an extension of the coaching staff. He has been paired up in you know in. He he roomed with Deion Kane, I think, last summer. You know, to kind of bring him along after his suspension at the in the playoff. So, I mean, I think yeah, from like just a team importance to the team, Christian Wilkins, no doubt. Certainly, as far as leadership is concerned, uh, that's a guy that we're really lucky to have come back on the defense this year. Even though we have a lot of returners, um, that's a guy that's going to keep that momentum going and possibly see this defense be. You know, definitely top five in the country, if not the best. And Christian Wilkins is is putting his name in as one of the you know one of the favorite Clemson players of all time, just because from the time he got here, he, he was it was like a senior in terms of the leadership that he took on, and it feels like he's been here for more than three years. I'm, we're we've cherished every moment. Two two national championship appearances so far. So I'll be honest with you, I would not be totally surprised if after this year he doesn't come back. Like he just seems to have so much fun and love being here and love being part of this environment. I know. He's a first round draft pick. Probably no top doubt. ten, maybe. But but what but what if he gone? He gone. All right, we'll see. I'm just saying he, he could come back and visit when he's a millionaire. Like <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, I wouldn't be well, surprised that, that if he was one of those guys that we've seen cl- happen to Clemson in the past that comes back. <clears throat> Bold prediction there. All right, I'll, we'll hold you to it. We'll see. How, we'll you, make you, a bet on that, Ben. How about that? Uh, I'll give sure. you some good odds. I, I'll throw a caveat out there. I think it depends on how the season goes. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, well, let's let's talk about the season. Let's pivot into the offense. Um, I think the way we'll kind of break this down, obviously the biggest question looming over this offense and really this football team has to do with quarterback. We'll get into that. We'll get into the position groups. Um, but just in terms of kind of the, the profile of this team this year, um, I think what we're all hearing and even what we've talked about in the defensive preview is that this might be a team that has a lot more stability on the defensive side. And maybe I, I won't go so far as to call it a defense first football team this season. Um, but the most questions exist on the offensive side. Um, so definitely want to get into what we've lost. I think we all, we all know the obvious ones, but really get a, get a sense at least right now as we've gotten into fall practice of where things play out in terms of the, the depth chart and the position battles that we'll see um, come together in the next couple of weeks. Uh, let's start with the quarterback, though. Um, maybe I'll touch on what kind of the prevailing wisdom is, and we'll, we'll unpeel this a little bit. Um, right now, this is Kelly Bryant's job. Um, to lose. I think you heard this weekend Deshaun Watson come out and sort of not give his vote of confidence, but basically say he he thought KB was the man to take over this job and run with it. Um, no pun intended. 
And um, really, I think that's where that's what we've heard from the coaching staff too is that this is Kelly Bryant is sitting atop the depth chart at quarterback. Um, but what a lot of people think is the emergence of Hunter Johnson. You can't deny his five star talent. Kind of what he brings to the table is more of a complete quarterback, at least on paper. Um, is that maybe throughout the course of the year he may take over starting quarterback duties. Um, Cody, I want to flip this to you. Can you paint me a picture of a world in which Kelly Bryant does not allow that to happen? His success on the field flourishes, and he's able to kind of lead this team as a quarterback to success. Yeah, and I and I think Hunter Johnson will say it too has solidified himself as the number two guy. It seems just from what we've what I've read, and which is kind of surprising. I didn't think he would move up he that took, quickly. He was taking second team reps. Yeah, so I think he's it's it's looked like it's a, it's a two horse race at this point, which is which is kind of surprising because Derek Cooper I thought looked pretty good in the spring game. Uh, you know, what, take that as you will, but. Uh, Kelly Bryant, some reason I, I had this uh, moment of clarity. Maybe it's just um, bias and, and, and optimism, but uh, I, I feel like there is a precedent for a, a player of his skill set to have success in this type of off- offense. And I, I looked at Auburn, I think it was 2013 when they made the, t- to, uh, the title run against Florida State with Nick Marshall. Heavy RPOs, um, a very, I would say, um, average to below average thrower uh, passer as a quarterback in Nick Marshall. He had a deep ball. That's about all he had. Um, they were you know, very run heavy. Uh, they had two NFL running backs, one being Trey Mason. I can't recall the other. Uh, so, you know, we don't quite have that. They had a good offensive line. We do have a good offensive line. So I think there's a precedent if Tony Elliott can be incredibly dynamic in the way he uses both the running backs, uses zone reads, uh, zone blocking, which is which is uh, something that we got away from a little bit last year, as as Sean wasn't running as much. There's precedent, and, and of course, pace being kind of an underlying theme there. Pace, pace, pace. There's precedent that we could, through a, a very um, efficient running game, open things up in the passing game and really really build from you know run first, which we really haven't ever done. We we've said that we we wanted to do that. This could be the first year we do that. Um, a lot needs to go right there. Offensive line needs to be what we think they are. Feaster, Fuller, choice need to emerge, um, but it's but it's possible. It's so, possible to have a an average or above average to maybe even really good offense with Kelly Bryant. I think. Yeah, and so I, I think you're you're spot on there, and I'm, I'm it's good that you mentioned that. But we'll get to the running backs and the offensive line. But I think you're right; that definitely does need to develop to make this work. Um, Clemson's offense this year is going to be completely different than it has been under Deshaun Watson. Um, and so that's going to start with Kelly Bryant and his and his skill set and his assets and how this uh, uh, Skelliot, uh, the offensive coordinators, go offensive coordinators, going to be able to cater uh, to his abilities. One thing that I loved out of Kelly Bryant, you know, I was a little bit down on him, especially in the spring game. We forget that he hurt his finger, um, his sprained a finger in that game. Um, I've just recently learned that he doesn't hold the laces on the ball and he holds the back of the ball. That's a little bit of concerning to me, of uh, just as far as technique is concerned. But what I do love out of this guy is he has become a vocal leader, and I love, love, love his confidence and everything that we've seen from him. And I think that's where you start at with a quarterback. Um, when he's able to, to command the offense and have the guys on the team rally around him and trust in him, I think that's where you start from and you go from there. Listen, there's no denying his talent, and the coaches have said this. If he's not on the field as a quarterback, he's going to be on the field as something else making plays. Um, so <laughs> I, I think that's where we start. And – Regarding the quarterbacks, my first initial, uh, when I first started thinking about this several weeks ago or even back into the spring, I kind of told myself, we just need somebody to come in and manage the game. I'm thinking that's not the case at this point. And the reason being, 
is because there's too like many... Ala, an Alabama right. type system. The exactly. reason I think that somebody just coming in and being able to manage the game isn't going to cut it this year is because there's too much talent at quarterback on this roster. After Kelly Bryant, Hunter Johnson, we mentioned, Zarek Cooper. I, I think he's a Division One, easily Division One quarterback. Could be starting many other places. Tucker Israel looked great in the spring game. I feel really bad for that kid that he's not participating in camp because of the stomach virus, and I unfortunately think that kind of ends his possibilities at ever really playing at Clemson. Might see him as a graduate transfer one day. Um, but I think there's just too much talent on this roster that the cream's going to rise to the top. And it's not just going to be managing the game because there's too many other guys that have too many other great assets that are going to develop, especially in Hunter Johnson as the season goes on. You know, he's already got the accuracy, pinpoint accuracy. He can make things happen with his legs. Uh, not as good as Kelly Bryant can, but he still has that ability. Um, and then Zarek Cooper. So I, get, yeah. give Hunter Johnson the, the time halfway through the season. Everybody's predicting that he, they think he's going to be the starter. That's a good problem to have at Clemson. I think that's only going to make Kelly Bryant better. I would say, too, other programs where you see have a dominant defense and success where you can have a game manager quarterback and still compete for championships they tend to have a very dominant running game. Um, we looked to Alabama, we looked to LSU in the past, um, certain other schools like Ohio State even. Um, and we, you know, as high as we are on Feaster and what we think this year Fuller and Choice can bring to the table, n- neither of them are Derrick Henry. You know, neither of them are Leonard Fournette, uh, at least as far as we know so far. So I'm not saying we don't have the luxury to have our quarterback be a game manager because we can rely on the running game. I think to some extent that is true. Well, part of that, too, is is can you keep a defense honest with a downfield passing game? Uh, can you make some intermediate passes? I think we saw a stat, uh, Kelly Bryant's longest pass uh, completion is 11 yards. Uh, we can we can fact check that. But uh, it, if you can put you can put seven guys, eight guys in the box because you don't fear the passing or you can go one on one with the, the guys on the outside because you don't think he's going to be able to make that pass. Well, it doesn't matter if you do have Derrick Henry or if you had Todd Gurley as the, the guy to hand the ball off to. Um, they're going to they're gonna put a safety in the box, and you're not going to do very much. You're not- but here's where having all these playmakers on the edge come into that, and let me start by throwing C.J. Fuller into that mix. He's going to give us something this year that we haven't had in a few years with Wayne Gallman, catching the ball out of the backfield as a running back. He does that superbly well, and so that takes the pressure off of having to run out the middle. You can stretch these guys to the outside. You shorten the passing game. You get your playmakers – in space and you see what happens you don't necessarily need the downfield passing game all the time um to get things going and spread things out so i look to cj fuller he's he's dropped some weight i think you're going to see a quicker burst out of him this year he can run with some power i think he's going to surprise a lot of people this year we've been really spoiled with wayne train the past couple years but it's not doom and gloom for the running backs this year i think cj fuller's gonna be more than serviceable it's going to be disappointing to me if Feaster doesn't surpass uh, Adam Choice because I think he needs to start putting it all together this year, get his blocking, uh, get his blocking in order, and really be able to turn on that burner speed that we all know that he has. And it's interesting we've, we've kind of naturally grab it or naturally moved to running backs. I think with Kelly Bryant as your quarterback, uh, and you know when you're going to do a lot of run pass options, uh, maybe some um, a lot of fake handoffs to try to suck the defense in. Yeah, zone read type plays. Um, you got to look at who strikes the most fear in you as a running back. And I, honestly, yes, Fuller might be used the word serviceable. He might be serviceable, but I think Feaster's the only guy that really strikes any fear in you. Um, and we hope he's, we hear he's 220, a uh, larger frame. I think he's like six feet uh, tall, so he can carry that weight a little bit better. 
he looks like an NFL running back, whether he can grasp things and, and play to that, that, you know, that four, four speed that he has. Uh, that's something we need to see. Well, it make the mistake. Tavion Feaster has the highest upside on the team as running back, and he should be an elite running back here very shortly in the near future. But don't, don't overlook CJ Fuller. This guy, again, he's dropped to 210. He's got deceptive speed. He could add some of that breakaway speed this year. I, I really think you're going to see him put it together. And I think he's going to surprise and open some eyes this year. Yeah. What about Adam Choice? Unfortunately, I don't see I don't see a lot of he's been in the system a while. He's had some injuries to deal with. I don't know if he puts it all together. We haven't heard a lot about him coming out of fall camp. Um, it's really been focused on uh, Fuller and Feaster. So crazy. that was the guy starting over Gallman uh, three years ago. It's crazy. Yeah, and he's had some unfortunate injuries. Um, hopefully, he can bounce back this year, and he's been able to recover and gain the confidence that we're going to need that position. But right now, I see this squarely is between Fuller and Feaster. I think a big thing is going to be talking about both players either putting on or dropping weight in the case of Feaster and Fuller, respectively. I think throughout this group, and you know, can they handle that that weight adjustment and really have that affect their running play? But I think maybe the second most important thing that we're looking for in this running back group that we might learn a bit about in camp here is their blocking ability. So Wayne Gallman, among the best blocking running backs we've had in, in my memory at Clemson, um, super important, especially if we have a quarterback that's not, you know, maybe lear- is learning the ropes um, in the pocket and, you know, the decision-making and the, the snap judgment may not be there, you may need that extra quarter second um, to, to block Auburn's big heavies coming in. You know what I will say about that, though? And the coaches had the hesitancy to put in Feaster last year because Deshaun Watson is your prize asset. If he goes down, your team goes down. It's a little bit less of a concern this year if a quarterback goes down. I'm not saying that I obviously want that to happen. <laughs> um, but... I think they can take a risk in putting him out there more just because of that fact. Yeah, I don't, yeah, I don't think of it quite as like you never want a free shot at your quarterback regardless. Absolutely. But, which is what could very well happen. But another part of it, it's not just picking up the blitzes. It's a willingness to block, which that's where Wayne Gallman was so good. I think if you, you go back to last year, Fuller was looked at as the equivalent or maybe even the better pass uh, blocker. Uh, so he's fully capable there. And, uh, and maybe then some, it's just a matter of, can he balance that out with being a, a, an improved running back? Because I know what you, you think he's got big things coming, but from what he did last year, he looked not, nothing to, not to take a lot away from him. It's just his, I don't think he has the, the, the talent of a feaster. He's, he's no, more of a, he's a wheel route guy and kind of a downhill runner, yeah. not much uh, cut or not yeah. much well, lateral quickness. Let's see what happens with him losing this weight. I will say right now, he is the most complete running back on the field. Is he the best with the highest upside? No, that's Tavian Feaster. Um, so we touched on quarterback. I want to take it back there just for a moment. Alternatively to, you know, Kelly Bryant kind of taking the reins and keeping it throughout the year. Do you guys see any world in which Hunter Johnson, like, you know, barring injury, knock on wood, that Hunter Johnson can actually take and claim this quarterback starting job in fall camp? It seems hard or it's difficult to think that he can do it in the, in fall camp. And I don't know why that is. I think the coaches put a lot of weight on seniority, um, putting your time in and knowing the playbook. They put more value in knowing knowing, uh, and, and going through the installation and doing it uh, with success over ultimate upside. It seems like this is, has a lot of makings of 2014, where at some point Hunter Johnson's just going to overtake Kelly Bryant, which, which is not what I'm, I'm hoping for, but I, I, just, I have a hard time seeing him overtaking Bryant during fall camp. Well, and I do too. I mean, here's the other thing that's kind of against Hunter Johnson at this point. There's only Kent State at the beginning. There's not a couple cupcakes, a bad ACC team loading the, the front end of the schedule. So 
it's not going to be a time to test guys out. I mean, we're going to go from Kent State and bam, we're going to be into Louisville, and then our then our season really gets going. I mean, well, sorry, Auburn, then Louisville, Boston College at home may have an opportunity there, but then you're at Virginia Tech. Wake Forest is going to be improved. I mean, we don't we don't have that spot in our schedule this year where you're like, hey, let's throw this guy in, build a big lead, throw this guy in, see what he has. Well, you said committee. I think in our last episode, yeah. whenever it was. It it's looking like it has all the makings of Brian in for two series, maybe three uh, series, and then and then mixing Johnson in. And I think at the very least, during the course of the first half, you're going to see one or two series go to a second quarterback um, by that point. So committee I, committee is a relative term. You know what? But. You know what I don't want to see happen if you go go into game plan of Kelly Bryant with three, then Hunter Johnson comes in with two or whatever. If Kelly Bryant goes out there and has three phenomenal series, maybe puts up two scores. Keep him in there. Keep that confidence high. I mean, if just commit to a guy and ride him. If he's playing well, because at the end of the day, if Kelly Bryant can be the best quarterback on this team, fantastic. He's going to take us a long way. I think. No, I definitely think you'll see that. I don't think the coaches are stupid. Like if if he's if he's looking like a some some version of Lamar Jackson, then they're going to keep him in. I think. Well, I think it, you know, to, paint, to paint this with some optimism. Tony Elliott can be much more diverse. Uh, I don't think that, I don't think he's holding back any of the playbook like he might, may have been doing a little bit last year. One of his greatest, I think, strengths last year, if you look at some of our first quarters against Florida State, um, against, I think, Virginia Tech in the ACC Championship, when he could draw up a, a script the first series, he was unbelievable. And I think he, in a way, can, with with Hunter Johnson and, and Kelly Bryant having such you know, different skill sets, he can you know kind of craft up two different game plans and script it. And the defensive coordinator has a lot to count for. It is so, harder to defend when you're, when you're two different guys, right? Very As opposed tough. to like if you're throwing Hunter Johnson and Zarek Cooper out there who could do a lot of similar things. Right. Kelly Bryant, Hunter Johnson having kind of opposite skill sets. Exactly. However, th- this isn't a video game. Uh, guys have confidence. They have egos, uh, confidence issues. If you're taking them out every time they mess up, so you can't. And, you, and putting a guy in that's been on the bench, you know, for the whole quarter, and then throwing him out there, and you know, here and there, they, they don't get a chance to get in the flow of the game. There's, you know, kind of a downside on the on the other end of the spectrum too. Again, don't don't pull a Gus Malzahn like he did last year in the game against us, right? We need to. That was a disaster. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's really funny how that could come full circle with with them coming to town, and we sort of have to do the same kind of thing in musical chairs at quarterback. So I will say our quarterbacks are better, though. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. Um, yeah, you know, you, you mentioned there's not really time, and I don't know that this necessarily works. Certainly, if Hunter Johnson is number two in the pecking order, it's not going to move to his favor. But Kelly Bryant's also brand new in this offense with the sort of Kent State, and then right into the fire against Auburn and Louisville. So. Um, I don't know if I do think that there's a path that Hunter Johnson can establish himself and win that starting role this this camp, but we'll see. I mean, I think that's one of the things I'll be looking for is, you know, are they how many how many reps does he start to get with the first team? Well, it's it's such an intriguing storyline that I don't uh, recall really uh, having to face in years past. I mean, having three guys like this, we don't know who it's going to be. They all have amazing talent, like. Yeah, things are kind of up in the air. I think you have to go back to like, it never played out, but wouldn't it be like the Willie Korn era since we had sort of this type of controversy coming in? Yeah, but those guys weren't this good. Certainly not. I just mean in terms of like neck and neck competition. I think so. I think that's the last time um, that I can think of. And I don't know. I, I one the thing stakes weren't the same either. 
Right, right. We we're, we're top 10, we're legitimate top 10 team, playoff contender. Um, I, I think one thing, too, you talk, talk about having Hunter Johnson leapfrog Kelly Bryant. If he were to do that in, call, in fall camp, Kelly Bryant's done. What, I mean, mentally, like you, you, if, if this freshman that you, you know, worked your butt off as the second man up or whatever. But this is up. where, again, the coaches, they get Kelly Bryant on the field in another capacity. You don't, you're not going to throw Hunter Johnson yeah, out there. Well, you say that, but like where? Like wide receiver? There's a guy named T. Higgins, DeAndre Overton. Like, you know, they're pretty good, I've heard. Kelly Bryant could probably move better than all of them. Maybe tight end. I don't know. Any, anyhow, but yeah, I don't know. I think his confidence is shot if, if he does. Yeah, you're managing oh, personalities, yeah. egos, you know, mental toughness of these players as much as you are. You know, that, that plays into this as much as it does just skill. Let's right? face it. Right. There there are way too many four- and five-star quarterbacks on the roster for two of them not to transfer. It's going to happen at some point. There's just way too much talent, way too much stockpile. Right. Throw, on the top of, throw on top of that, you got Trevor Lawrence coming in next year. <clears throat> I mean, it, I think the biggest thing is let's not even worry about next year and kind of getting, getting guys reps and getting guys prepared for the future. What can we do to win the most number of games in 2017? And if the answer to that is fast track Hunter Johnson into the leadership role in this offense. Cause we can't, can't see, you know, some of the things you mentioned about packing the box and if we can't throw the ball downfield and you can't get sort of that horizontal offense to work, I think you do have to fast track that, you know, what is the right game point of the season to make that transition? It's not really obvious based on the schedule. Um, I think so it, I does think, it make sense to do it earlier? I think you're just going to have to see how they play and the coaches are just going to have to feel it out. I mean, they'll have, they'll have a game plan and sense in their mind going in, but I think you're just got to throw Kelly Bryant out there and see how it performs. Yeah. And I, and I think Tony Elliott with having, with having like the scripted play calling uh, that he can say, here's what we're going to do. Make Hunter Johnson feel comfortable. They'll say, Hey, you're going to have your chance to, to win it, but he's literally going to win it on the field. That's when it will happen. And maybe last thing on Hunter Johnson, like I think we we have lost sight for how good this guy is. Keep in mind, five star, he was every bit as talented with the same pedigree as, as Deshaun Watson coming out of high school. Like he he has that type of upside. I'm not saying he'll reach that that pinnacle, the peak of uh, Deshaun Watson. They, but they actually put the staff put him through a more advanced program this year. Uh, him coming in and rolling early than they put in Deshaun than they put, did with Deshaun Watson when he came in his freshman year. We didn't he break his collarbone? Deshaun Watson did in the in the spring. Yeah, yeah. And he did he did play in the same offense in high school, so he was a little bit more uh, adept to it. But so they're having to bring Johnson up to speed more quickly, right? But the the kid is has I mean I'm I'm saying he could be as good as Deshaun Watson that should be no surprise to us. I'm I'm not saying that's where he'll land, but I'm just saying he has that kind of upside. Well, so we know who Cody's voting for. And then you have Trevor Lawrence who's going to be pushing him next year. So cool. Well, uh, certainly the quarterback position battle is not a story that will be written even by the start of the Kent State game. This will probably be the top thing that we're keeping our eye on, and um, we'll be talking about leading into the season. I want to pivot to the offensive line. Um, this is going to be a strength for this team this year. I think we bring back a good amount of depth, good amount of leadership um, throughout the line. The lone area that we're turning over starting talent was at center. And with Jay Guillermo, certainly was a vocal leader, and we're going to miss his contributions on the field as well as in the locker room. Ben, can you talk me through the center position, sort of where you see this race playing out and the importance of getting that right for this offense? Yeah, and listen, let's let's just first say we're not trying to gloss over this position group, but for the most part, we know what we have coming back here. I mean, Tyrone Crowder over at right guard, uh, nobody talks about how crucial it was for him to come back for his senior season. That is absolutely huge. 
Uh, Mitch Hyatt at left tackle. We know what we're going to get out of him. Taylor Hearn, I don't think it's a lot of guys, a lot of uh, a guy, a lot of people talked about last year. He was tied for the second uh, second on the team in knockdown blocks last year, only allowed one and a half sacks. So that's huge to have there. And then you have John Simpson pushing him. Uh, and then Sean Pollard, a right tackle, came in as a true freshman last year. So really, I, I think it does come to, down to Justin Falsinelli at center. Uh, and not just because we're losing Jay Guillermo, who was such a leader on the team and knew this offense so well and was able to command that offensive line, but also because we're breaking in a new quarterback. So when you're breaking in a new complete battery there, you know, guy on the line calling the plays, guy behind him that he has to snap it to, not to mention Justin Falsinelli doesn't have the best track record uh, uh, with shotgun snaps, which is all we do. I think that is something that we really have to, to look at this year. Listen, this guy... He, he is smart. He has the aptitude uh, to be able uh, to, to match everything that Guillermo did in time, but he's going to have to show that. Uh, we've seen that he's starting to take on more ownership of his role in the team. Um, he's got uh, a great demeanor. Um, he's a really tough kid, and I think he just really needs to start to, to put it all together. Uh, the thing that he does have over Jay Guillermo is his size, his physical size. He's going to be able to, to move people off the line better than Guillermo did, and that's another thing. We've talked about this. We're really going to need to see uh, the running game step up and be more dominant this year. If Falsinelli can you know, be able to command the offense, uh, be the leader of that offensive line, uh, he improves on his shotgun snaps, and we kind of leave those fears of that center quarterback exchange. I think we're going to see an improvement in the running game up the middle. And I think there is a high upside. The downside there is, is that he's not able to perform and we see Gage Cervenka move into that starting role. Yeah. And the only thing I can think of is I know Fasnelli didn't grade out all that well last year at times missing blocks um, and, and, and the snap issue, which I, I'm not so, I'm not as concerned about the snaps. It sounds like he's, he's picking up on that pretty quickly in camp. Uh, the, the thing that I'm most concerned about is just how does he play with the guys around him? And I think getting to take the same reps with the starters and, and there's that element of cohesion. I think it'll be fine. I, I think he'll be good. Like, as you said, sides, like he's actually more physical, maybe even more athletic than Jay Guillermo. He's a good pass, pass blocker. Right. And, and what made Guillermo so good was just everything in between the years and being a leader and same with McLean before him. Um, so I, I think if, if he can pick up on that, then I, I'm not really worried at all. And then when you combine... Uh, some actual some good depth uh, all all along the line, like we said, Gage Stravinka, John Simpson's going to be pushing Hearn at guard. Uh, Tremaine Ankrum might be pushing Pollard at tackle. You, you have some a really good stable of offensive linemen. So one of one of the knocks in this O line unit last year was, I mean, I think they were stellar in pass protection, but getting a push on in the running game. Do you guys see that taking a step up this year with maybe a year more of experience and then? Sliding Falsinelli or possibly Cervenka in there. This is where getting Crowder back is huge. You you see the advantage that we have in the run game when he's in there versus you know other guys that he was uh, uh, splitting time with the past couple of years. Um, but yeah, Falsinelli, he's gonna provide more of that push up front than Jay Guillermo did. That that is one thing that we do know or we do expect. And you could say the same for Stravinka as well. Just a re- I mean, form you know converted defensive tackle, really good leverage, and uh, you know. A former wrestler, he's 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 going to be able to get that push too if he'll be able to pick up on things as quickly. Uh, that's that's yet to be seen. And all the guys like you know Mitch Hyatt, he's working on improving his run blocking. Uh, so you'll see all the guys across the line. Taylor Taylor Hearn, I love his mean strength. I think he's he's a guy that's not going to back down from anybody. You're getting those big uglies, guys with attitudes up there, and that's what you need to move people off the ball. Right, and and just by virtue of of 
throwing different things, zone reads, um, having a quarterback, whether it is Hunter Johnson or Kelly Bryant, that's going to be very active in the run game, which you did not see for the first like eight games of the year last year. Just by virtue of that and the zone blocking where guys can literally, they know where they're going, they're going in the same direction, you'll definitely see a better push. And offensive linemen start licking their chops when they get to to block like that. When even a guy like Tyrone Crowder, as big as he is, he is pretty agile as long as he's keeping his weight down. He had a lot of... uh, uh, pull blocks against in the game against Alabama, and, and with a guy like Kelly Bryant out there, that's going to be very beneficial. <clears throat> I think the hallmark of what we're what we know to be championship football is the ability to win in the trenches. I think that's still past several years has proven to be true, and Clemson sets up well on both sides of the ball here. So I don't think really the offensive line is. I mean, I th- I think it's solid and may even prove to be elite, an elite unit, um, depending on what we get out of the center. Agreed on that. Yeah. So I think one area that we're going to see a little bit of weakness on the offensive line, I think with tight end Garrett Williams going down. Now we hear that he they expect him to come back and play this year, but we've heard that a lot of times with with these with these injuries. Uh, it was an ACL, correct? Yeah. We've heard that a lot of times. Oh, you know, he gets hurt. You know, in the spring he'll be back somewhere halfway through heard that the with season. Adrian Baker. Yeah. And don't just don't expect these things to happen. Yeah. I, I really don't. And, and it's, I think it's really going to hurt losing him. Somebody's going to need to step up. Is that Milan Richard blocking? I don't know. Um, you know, he's got other things that he needs to, to get better at to fill the shoes of Jordan Leggett, but Garen Williams was huge in the, in, in blocking last year. We'll see what happens. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm happy if Milan Richard is just able to, um, or Mylon Richard, I'm sorry, is able to become a, a competent pass catcher um, and, and provide a little bit in blocking. There is a forgotten guy we, we haven't heard much about, so I'm not going to say he's going to step into the role, but that's Cannon, Cannon Smith. Smith. Yeah, that I mean, he's not going to catch much of anything, but he can. Uh, and, and J.C. Chalk, I don't know. I haven't heard much from him either, but I, I, I think he's more of a pass catcher. Milo Richard is, has one career catch. There you go. And he's a junior. So he's your he's your, uh, Fourth your year he's your receiving tight end. And uh, <laughs> and then you got Kenneth Smith is like he was going to be your converted looked at converting him to tackle. So maybe on like some short yardage, you got to get a yard, got to get two yards. Maybe he can step in there and, I mean, and I, get some looks there. Yeah, maybe the ceiling for this tight end group is a pretty low ceiling relative to what we're used to. I think this is where it's going to be on the coordinators to figure out their way th- through programming an offense that doesn't rely as much on a tight end. Um, we're not going to get what we got out of Jordan Leggett, not even in our wildest dreams here. Well, and, and to Mylon Richards' credit, they're saying he's catching everything within like a 10-block radius of him right now in practice. Um, but we'll see. There has been talk. They may even pull a tight end off the field and put an extra wide receiver out there because Lord knows we have the talent there. I mean, you got to get your best four guys on the field. Well, speaking of receivers, looks like we saved the best talent group um, on the offense for last. And I guess we could break this down looking – throughout the group um, at the specific receiver positions on the field. Um, but in terms of who we lost from last year's team, Mike Williams, um, four, four years on campus with, with Clemson. He came back last season coming off of a neck injury. We weren't really sure what we would get, uh, maybe some tentative play. No, we got vintage Mike Williams. Um, he was everything we had hoped for and more. He had like um, nine catches over 100 yards receiving that first game out against Auburn, didn't he? Almost all of those were back shoulder catches, but yeah, yeah. it was great. Uh, getting him back and you know this year with this this team you might think man we're losing you know a generational talent in Mike Williams actually we've got a pretty good depth behind him coming in this year um Deion Kane household name among Clemson receivers coming back to lead that group um, behind him on the depth chart you'll have some order of Trevion Thompson DeAndre Overton 
and true freshman, phenomenal um, athlete T. Higgins coming in. So um, maybe there's not really that high end sort of ceiling there, but we definitely have um, a good stable of talent behind him. You no, know, I, I think there's a high end ceiling. I mean, just talk about all these guys. And I, I think a guy that, I mean, we know what Deion Kane's going to do. We look for him to step up his game this year and really assume uh, that, that starting role to fill Mike Williams shoes at the nine position. T Higgins not be able to keep him off the field this year. He's going to see time. DeAndre Overton is an interesting guy to me. Um, he weighed in at 209 pounds after weighing in at about 196 this time a year ago. He's six foot five. That is huge. That's a tall, physical wide receiver. That height and uh, just his, his, his size is going to make him a matchup uh, you know, nightmare for a lot of cornerbacks. Those back shoulder catches, those 50-50 lobs, he's the guy, if he can put it all together, we've heard a lot of good things coming out of practice that he's one of the most improved wide receivers. That's a guy that I'm looking forward to that really step up and, and assume a big role in this team. He could be one of those. You throw Kane and Overton out there in the tight end position and replace of Milan Richard if you want to get those four-rod receivers on the field. Yeah, especially in a third and long situation. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think the the complexion of Clemson wide receivers, that just how they look on the field is going to be a little bit different. How they're used is going to be a little bit different. Again, you're going to see more like a Swiss Army knife out of them. You're going to see a lot of Ray Ray in the backfield, jet sweeps. You're going to, uh, same for Cornell Powell. Uh, I think you're going to see a lot of like quick uh, slant passes to Hunter Renfro or whoever that may be. Um, less of like the brilliance that you saw from Deshaun Watson to Mike Williams, which is beautiful as it was. I think um, in terms of the whole the whole group, the whole core of receivers, I think they could be more productive. And I think we need them to be. Uh, one thing we've talked about, I think, off off the mic, offline, is just yards after the catch. Uh, what, like what you saw from Deion Kane in the national championship game where he caught the, the screen pass and took it. You know, Turning point of the game. Right. Yeah. Huge, huge shift right there. And I think that's what you can see from him, a little bit of Sammy Watkins-esque. And uh, if, I agree with you, though, Ben. DeAndre Overton is one guy – uh, that really, I really like him. He played basketball. Just it's that skill set of being able to redirect your body, f- high point the ball, a little added co- uh, coordination. I feel like that you get from playing basketball. That's part of what Nuke did so yeah. well. Nuke played basketball. And this right. this stuff isn't in a vacuum with the quarterback conversation we had earlier either. Guys that can out out physical, uh, you know, be it a linebacker if you will, in, in in the right setup. If we're not throwing these balls downfield, is going to be critical. Well, but. Even then, you kind of just need, if it's a Kelly Bryant, just get the ball in the vicinity. Jeff okay. Scott said they expect the receivers, and it's kind of a Yogi Berra stat, but I, they expect the receivers to catch 90% of the balls they're supposed to catch 50% of the time. <laughs> so, I mean. Up from 80. Yeah, up from 80 from last year. So, so that's pretty interesting. The other stat was 70% of the catches uh, from last year come with contact. So, I mean, that goes to the physicality. Uh, we need these guys to be very physical. You're losing a guy like Artavis Scott. Mike Williams had the ability to be physical. We need guys to step into those roles this year and pick up where they left off. They don't have to be as good as Mike Williams, as good as Artavis Scott, because there's a ton of talent on this team that spread the wealth around. But they do need to all step up their game and realize take charge of the moment. The guys have been here a couple of years need to look at the new guys coming in and light a fire under them to perform. And a guy like Deion Kane and Ray Ray McLeod, that's a guy he needs to have a breakout year. So moving across the field to that, the two position, uh, we are seeing Artavis Scott. He's gone to the league, but we have had Ray Ray McLeod playing on this team now. Um, and I think you mentioned it. We're going to look for him to step into that role as a starter. What's interesting is he's battling a wrist injury. And I don't know how much we should look into this. He's been taking reps um, with the DBs. 
I think a lot of people were going to make a lot about that. I think there was some talk last year if he can't put it together. I think Cody <laughs> pr predicted that he'd move to the defensive the side of the show. ball. But this he can't catch right now. This is just to keep the guy on the field, keep him active, yeah. keep his head in the game. I would not look anything into this because if Ray Ray McLeod can put it all together, watch out. He's a game-changing playmaker, or has the tools to be. This is another position where we have a great deal of depth. So Cornell Powell um, was on the team last year, um, had a great spring game. He appears to be number two on the depth chart. He's been taking first string snaps um, in camp so far. He'll be backed up there by true freshman and potential breakout star also Amari Rogers. Who's who's has been recently taking first string snaps because Powell, uh, Powell tweaked his hamstring. So it's interesting. Uh, Amari Rogers, I mean, as much as we talk about T. Higgins, I expect him to have a pretty decent impact this year. And so interesting to see him already up to taking first string snaps. I know there's been injuries, but that's a guy to watch out for. I think. And I think he's put on weight and has really shown that he's developed since coming onto campus, uh, which is a good sign. Yeah, they, they use the word maturity, and I think it's just it, he's he's a football player. His dad played football. Um, it, he's got he's kind of like a clone of Artavis Scott. I think he's a little bit more athletic. He's, he can high point the ball, even though he's only like 5'9". He's, he's much more um, of a leaper. And, man, he's so strong for a freshman. He's going to really look like that running back on the outside. So he's ideally what you'd want in that two-receiver spot. Um, T. Higgins. Can we talk about T. Higgins? Um, <laughs> yes. Going to be hard to keep him off the field. It, it's funny. We look back to Sammy Watkins and how good he was as a freshman, but there wasn't a lot of wide receiver talent on the depth chart at that point. It was easy for him to make a splash early. T. Higgins is, uh, he's just a freak. I, I talk about um, high school film a lot. I, I watched it last night. I just want to remind, remind myself of how good he is. And he is the perfect combination of I, everything you'd want in a receiver in terms of, I think, uh, the, the most important quality, catching the ball. I think he does just about as good as you're going to see. Um, but also being able to run uh, yards after the catch, a little bit of playmaking ability, speed. Um, he, he's the just name Randy Moss comes to mind. I, I agree. I, I thought about Randy Moss a lot. When uh, I was watching this film. I've heard AJ green too. Yeah, that, that makes sense. And I'm skinny kidding. because Randy Moss is really, he's skinny. T Higgins is going to need to put on some weight, but he's definitely, uh, that he looks a lot like Randy Moss. Yeah. There's a quick clip coming out of the camp. You can see him high point a ball, one handed catch. Looks like the ball is like 30 feet off the ground. It's insane. Um, you should check that out. So, I mean, with this, field position do you think there'll also be some some sliding in of um you know other guys across the field or is this is this kind of pecking order and depth chart set i, I think it's gonna be a lot of shuffling but um it's gonna be it's hard Ray, it's ray ray as the primary guy though right yeah i, I yeah, think yeah. Dion kane he's solidly in there hunter Rinfro. i mean do we need to talk about it um, that guy's one Who? of the most dependable guys on the team. Yeah, some guy that keeps uh, catching touchdowns in national championship games against Alabama. Um, I think Ray Ray McLeod, uh, that two spot is the one is probably the one that's most up for grabs right now. I, he is the starter, but it's hurting him right now that he's not able to be out there in practice playing that position. You got a true freshman already coming in, taking first string reps. I think him and Cornell Powell, those two guys really need to go at it, and 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 they have an opportunity to take that position. They just need to do it. Yeah, I'd say the one thing about Ray Ray is use him more in like – I don't want to say situational, like he's like a you know first down back or something like that. But he hasn't shown, the, I don't think, the ability to be a great pass catcher with potentially Amari Rodgers. I think he has he's higher upside there. Definitely Cornell Powell at 6'1 is going to be a better receiving receiver. 
Uh, so I, I think, yeah, you could see a, a more of a mix there. Whereas, well, you know what? I guess at every wide receiver position, you're going to see some shuffling in and out. Well, that's what Deion Clemson Kane does. being the guy that's probably going to be more locked in. Yeah, I mean, you saw it several times last year. They'd go out one series with the three starters and come back the next series with the with the two deep, right? So you're going to see all, all these guys are going to get playing time, uh, barring any injury. Um, you know, we talked a minute uh, about Hunter Renfro at, at the five position. Uh, a guy who's really come on this year, um, this his second year, it's, he'll be a redshirt freshman, TJ Chase. Um, they say that he's really had an off-season emergence, so it'll be interesting to see. I remember him coming into the program, didn't really recall seeing a lot of him in the spring game, but I'll be interested to see what he's able to bring to the table. Um, we'll see Trevion Thompson in that five spot, uh, switching back between the nine and the five behind um, Hunter Renfro, but TJ Chase, I think that's another guy to look out for. We've mentioned nine wide receivers so far, any of which will see the field. And I think what this is leading me to is I think we have maybe on par quality of wide receiver talent that we had a year ago, maybe not as much starter experience, high-end experience um, as we had coming back last year, but I think they will be maybe a more critical component of this offensive success. And I, I have every right to believe, or I have every, every confident bit of confidence that they will be able to live up to that. Yeah, I, I think the one thing that they're going to have to make up for is that they don't have Deshaun Watson throwing them the ball and, and putting them into position to be successful. They're going to have to go and do a lot of those extra little things to to, to get that success. Until Kelly Bryant proves to us that he can be a, a solid passing quarterback or until a guy like Hunter Johnson gets in there with his proven accuracy, those wide receivers are going to have to do the extra little things uh, to maximize their potential on the field this year. I've, I mean, I, I think two of the guys coming back have bailed Deshaun out at times, though, in Deion Kane and Hunter Renfro. They have, but you remember early in the season last year, there were a lot of drops, and we were complaining about the offense sputtering. We can't see that this year, right? Deshaun Watson's not there to, to mask those things. If Kelly Bryant throws a good pass, you damn well better catch it. Right, and I will say, if you have that that many guys that are that are ready to play and that are talented enough to play, it will I, I hope blocking improves. I'll say that might have been a, a weak point for the wide receivers last year. If, if the guy behind you is just as good, and you're not blocking, and he can block better, then yeah, he's probably going to play. And that's where their you know Trevion Thompson becomes a little bit more of the tried and true upperclassman. Um, so that, I mean, I guess that bodes well. And you're and you're right, Ben. I will say. Uh, we're going to need more from them, and I think we will need a lot from Tony Elliott to have fun, creative ways to make sure that guys like Dion can get the ball so he can make uh, make plays after the yeah, catch. Yeah, it's not just catching. They're going to need to block, too. Right. Yeah, definitely. We've talked in the past, and we will certainly um, profile this as we do more of, our, more of these season preview shows, just about the importance of Tony Elliott, Jeff Scott, figuring out the right treasure map, if you will, to finding success for this offense. Um Last year, Clemson's offense, S&P Plus ranked number two throughout the course of the season. I think you know maybe the critical Clemson fan would have expected us to be slightly lower than number two, but um, we achieved that, that ranking last year. Preseason, Bill Connolly, um, the godfather of the S&P Plus rating, is projecting Clemson at number 28 overall and on offense. Um, and I think that part of that is uncertainty at quarterback, but I guess a question for you guys, do you think that we will overachieve and be top 25, top 20 offense based on what you're seeing? I don't generally like to speak to these numbers and predictions and rankings coming into the season, but what I will say about this offense is it's just going to be a different type of offense. Um, we're going to do different things. I think we're going to have to rely on the running game more, and I think that is somewhat going to slow down the tempo of the offense just a bit. I don't think we're going to run as many plays. 
uh, this year, and I don't think we're going to score as many points. Um, that's just not going to happen. What I will say about this offense is as long as we get the quarterback situation worked out, that it's going to be more than capable of winning us every game that we play in this season, uh, especially when combined with such a stellar defense. So we're not going to be number two in the country. I do not expect that to happen. We're probably not going to even be top 10. But I still think, yeah, I still think we're top 25. And as this season goes on, you're going to start to see this offense uh, assume its own identity, and they're going to start to flourish. If the over-under is set at 28, I, th- I definitely got to take the under. And, and Bill Connolly does say as much. He, he throws in the quarterback as, uh, as the wild card, or, you know, the question mark that could make the pendulum swing one way or the, or the other. How about if I put it at 20? Oh, that gets... Whew. I narrowly say I'll see we'll be top twenty. I, I see us in the high teens, maybe. I, I don't see us like been said top ten. I, probably not top five. I think there's going to be a lot of three and outs this year, so I think this offense is going to have a lot of opportunities to put together some drives. Offense from our defense, right? Defense will force three and outs, right. putting them on the field and plenty of opportunities. Um, I mean, I think in terms of potential risks that this offense not getting it going early enough in the season is you see what happens in the 2014 Georgia game where um, first half they really can't sustain drives. A stellar defense is able to hold a really good Georgia offensive bay, catches up to them in the second half. I think that's why it's, it's really important early on for them to get their footing. I put that on the coaching staff, um, certainly the players to execute, but getting the right game plan in place to, to sustain drives is going to be key. Um, something that we haven't mentioned this word yet this year is turnovers. Um, last year's team had a minus one turnover margin for the year. All we heard about, though, was how much, how many interceptions uh, Deshaun Watson was throwing, and I think we we had a pretty good fumble, pretty good fumble luck as a team last year as an offense. But um, that's also something that you know, protecting the football is going to be critical for this offense too. Um, looking ahead, so I mean, I, optimistic, yeah, I think top twenty sounds about right. Uh, well, maybe to put a bow on this episode and this offensive sort of walkthrough or refresher of who's coming back. Um, I want to get a sense from both of you guys. Just quick hit, top of mind, first names that come to mind. Who is your most improved player from last year who's coming back? And then who is your breakout talent that we're all going to be talking about at the end of the season? Ben. Most improved, I'm going to have to say Mylon Richard because, as aforementioned, he's only had one catch in three years. Um, so there's not a lot to build off of there. Uh, but I really do think the things that we're hearing, I think he's going to step up. And then a uh, breakout player, I got Raven McLeod. I think this just has to be his time, his practice habits. We've heard has changed. I think he's ready to, to take it on. Most improved. I, I might say Deion Kane, uh, which might be the easy choice because he's just going to be relied upon so much more. Um, I think he's the, a perfect player um, in terms of being able to do some things out of the backfield, uh, screen passes, as well as being a downfield threat. So, I'll say he's our most improved. And then uh, I'll go with an easy answer for the breakout, T. Higgins. I think he's going to have a bigger impact than what we have over the last few years come to expect from freshmen, even five stars like Deion Kane, which didn't, didn't, you know, him and McLeod didn't, you know, jump onto the scene. I think we see more Sammy Watkins uh, type freshman season from T. Higgins than Deion Kane freshman season. Um, I think for my most improved, I'm going to say Mitch Hyatt. Um, it's not that he had a poor 2016 campaign, uh, but might not have lived up to um, what he did two years ago. And I think he's going to once again emerge as the elite um, tackle in the ACC and really help this team um, on the field physically. I'd say for my breakout player, um, I'm going to keep it with the receiver. 
I'll go with DeAndre Overton. I think you guys talked about some of the size that he can bring, and we're going to need him in multiple facets of this offense. I think he's ready. You know, there's there's enough snaps and enough footballs to go around that he's going to get his and, and break out here. But agree with with both of your guys' assessment too. Those Good to show the size. offensive line some love because we, we're all about receivers here. Right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, well, good stuff. Well, hopefully that helped you guys reacclimate yourselves with who the names and the talent are on this offense. Um, you know, still a, a critical contributor to this football team's success. It's going to be really fun to see additional news come out of fall camp. Um, guys, should we talk about the shows we're going to be putting out the rest of the way? I mean, I think we'll, we'll certainly touch on more, more of a, um, as the, as the, uh, Two deep comes together, the starters are announced, et cetera, throughout camp. We'll be doing a little bit more of a preview and a look ahead. We'll look ahead to the schedule. Um, chances are we will be talking to some other guests as well. So stay tuned. Um, and with that, make sure you're subscribed up to the podcast, either through your favorite app, um, or you can always follow us on SoundCloud. That's really where we publish our shows. So you can you won't miss any of our recordings if you do that. Anything else, guys? No, man, just looking forward to this uh, next week of practice. And, you know, a lot of these storylines are going to start to come together. You're going to start to see some guys emerge. Um, It's getting exciting, but it's getting down to business. So I think a lot of this coach speak and this lot of hoorah from the coaches, you're going to start, it's going to get more critical here and it's going to get interesting. All right. Thank you all for listening. Be sure to tell a friend about the podcast. We will catch you next time. Go Tigers. I'm I'm so happy for our family. It's not, it's not, this is not for just us. This is for the Taj Boyds, the Stephon Anthony's, the Grady Jarrett's, the New Hopkins, Sammy Watkins. Y'all built this. Y'all started this foundation. And all we did is build upon it. And we finished it. It's been 35 long years. Clemson, y'all been waiting 35 years. It's finally coming home, baby. It's coming home.